0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Findlay City Schools Superintendent Troy Roth discusses the district's decision on returning to a four-day in-class schedule for all K-12 students beginning next week. Also this morning, equity and availability of healthcare services has long been an issue in low-income and minority communities. To what extent does that impact America's ability to get control of the coronavirus pandemic? We'll take a closer look at a new study from Rand and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And we have what you need to take control of your beauty and wellness routine in the new year, whether you want to start fresh or take your current regimen to the next level. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, January 19th, 2021.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for partly sunny skies today and a high of 33, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 22. The state has created an online tool allowing people to look up locations where the coronavirus vaccine is available. The new vaccine location tool comes as Ohio is set to begin offering the vaccine to people 80 and older beginning this week. Hancock County health officials are asking people to be patient as vaccines are in short supply. We have a link to the vaccine locator on our website, as well as information about registering for the vaccine. Concerns over violent protests at the Ohio Statehouse on Sunday faded as a small number of armed but peaceful demonstrators were considerably outnumbered by state troopers and National Guard members. Republican Governor Mike DeWine said he was pleased with the outcome, but stressed the state's concerns over protests aren't over. State officials previously said they believe protests could continue at least until Joe Biden's inauguration on Wednesday. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. And the Ohio State House will remain closed through Inauguration Day on Wednesday. The Hancock Park District has broken ground on a new wetlands restoration project at Oakwood's Nature Preserve in Findlay. Once it's done, it'll filter water, allow water to settle before it runs into Arnd Run, which is a tributary of the Blanchard River. The Park District's Chad Carroll says wetlands reduce the amount of nutrients in water that flows into the state's waterways, and that will improve water quality and prevent harmful algae blooms. Get more on the wetlands project, including video from the site on our website. Justin Fields is heading to the National Football League after two seasons as Ohio State's starting quarterback. Even with just two years at OSU and one season shortened uh, shortened due to COVID, Fields still became one of the best quarterbacks to ever put on an Ohio State jersey. He's expected to be one of the first players taken in the NFL draft in April. Some good news, however, for Buckeye fans. Wide receiver Chris Alave has decided to stay at Ohio State for his senior year. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchuk with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: Today is, let me see here, brew a potion day. (laughs) Brew a potion day today. That sounds very ominous. It is also good memory day. Uh, Think back, got to think real hard Uh, Some of the good memories back before the pandemic. (laughs) We had good things worth remembering. Good memory day. Gun Appreciation Day today. National Popcorn Day. It is Rid the World of Fad Diet and Gimmicks Day. Tin Can Day. And it is World Quark Day today. Celebrating Quark, which is a fresh dairy product that is part of the acid set cheese group. I can't say that I've ever had quark that I know of. It says it is a soft, white, and fresh dairy product that provides an alternative to soft cheese or yogurt. It is made by warming sour milk until it curdles and then straining it. And now I know why I've not had quark before. It's, it just doesn't sound real apt to me. I, but what do I know? Um, Some of the uh, most uh, interesting buzzworthy news stories of the day. We're getting more details on President-elect Joe Biden's inaugural festivities tomorrow. And obviously, uh, a lot of the traditional pomp and circumstance surrounding the inauguration will not be happening this year. Number one, because of security concerns after what we saw uh, at the uh, Capitol on January 6th. A couple of weeks ago now, and uh, also because of coronavirus uh, concerns, the pandemic. Uh, The traditional parade down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. will not be happening. And that has more to do with the pandemic than anything else. Um, Instead, there will be a virtual parade called the Parade Across America following the new president swearing in. And a visit to Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, They'll lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. Then the uh, parade across America will include performers and other representatives from all 50 states. And the presidential inaugural committee said yesterday that it will celebrate the nation's heroes and highlight the diversity, heritage, and resilience of the United States. The virtual live streamed parade will begin at 315 tomorrow afternoon with Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris getting a presidential escort to the White House, which will include the University of Delaware drumline and the Howard University drumline from Mr. Biden and Ms. Harris's alma maters, respectively. Also, representatives from every branch of the military will be involved, including the U.S. Army Band, a Joint Service Honor Guard, and the Commander-in-Chief's Guard and Fife and Drum Corps. The virtual parade will feature performers and speakers in communities across the country with participants, including comedian John Stewart, musician Niall Rogers, singer and actress Andra Day, Olympic athletes Nathan Chen, Allison Felix, and Katie Ledecky, and skateboarder Nathan Apotica. Is that how you pronounce his name? Um, his, uh, his was the Fleetwood Mac TikTok video that went viral last year. So he'll be, a part of, he'll be a part of the virtual inaugural parade across America. So it's kind of interesting. He'll be skateboarding to Fleetwood Mac tunes while sipping on some cranberry juice. <laughs> Only in America could a viral TikTok star be a part of the presidential inauguration. I mean, think about that. One good thing, though, I was thinking about the inauguration given the fact that uh, access to the National Mall will be highly restricted, at least, at least we will not have any controversy over the size of the inaugural crowd. You know, we won't have that. President Trump, uh, on his way out the door, issued an executive order yesterday for building a National Garden of American Heroes, which would be filled, he said, with statues of an extensive and wide-ranging list of nearly 250 Americans deemed historically significant. Uh, Some of the many names to be included in the Garden, according to this report, Louis uh, Louis Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, Ingrid Bergman, Kobe Bryant, Julia Child, Christopher Columbus, Walt Disney, Aretha Franklin, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Alfred Hitchcock, Whitney Houston, Amelia Earhart, Elvis Presley, Ronald Reagan, Jackie Robinson, Harriet Tubman, and Alex Trebek. Now, that is an eclectic list of names, but hard to argue really with any of them. I mean, they all have been historically or culturally significant in their own way. Now, no location for this National Garden of American Heroes was named, and this actually builds on an earlier order by President Trump proposing the idea last year. But with the administration coming to a close tomorrow, they say it is unlikely that the project will be taken up by the Biden administration. And that may be a shame. I, some of the impetus for this National Garden of American Heroes uh, were the... Removal of Confederate monuments and statues um, uh, around the country over the course of the past year. And the president, current president wasn't happy with that. And uh, so he proposed this idea for this National Garden of American Heroes. So some of the backstory maybe um, is a little unsavory to the incoming president. But I think, again, you look at some of those names and uh, it's kind of an interesting idea. National Garden of American Heroes. But uh, anyway, uh, it'd be interesting to see if that actually goes anywhere. Again, not a lot of specifics in that, but that is among the final orders of uh, President Donald Trump. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, what else is going on among the most interesting? Oh, this is speaking of the uh, transfer of power. You remember the, gi- the giant balloon? depicting president Trump as a baby in a diaper, uh, that, uh, made appearances all over the world, really over the past couple of years. Well, you may be wondering now that the Trump administration or the Trump era is coming to an end, what is going to happen to the president Trump baby balloon? Well, apparently it is being acquired by a British museum. The 20 foot tall Trump baby blimp Followed the president and symbolized international opposition to uh, his administration. It will now be displayed at the Museum of London, along with other bits from the public protests at the British capital. A Pew Research poll found that the U.S. president is uh, remains unpopular internationally, as fewer than 20 percent of people in Canada and Western Europe trusted Trump to do the right thing when it comes to international affairs. Well, I'm not sure that he really cares about that one way or the other. And I would imagine there are a significant number of Americans who don't particularly care about what uh, people in Canada and Western Europe think of President Trump. But nonetheless, the uh, baby Trump balloon going to a British museum. I thought that was kind of interesting. And a couple of other uh, items uh, among the first things you need to know this morning it seems that maybe uh, many years ago uh, mental health experts might have had it right you remember when electroshock therapy was kind of the preferred method of curing all sorts of ills all sorts of things that that people suffered from just fix it with electroshock therapy and uh, that in more modern times has come to be considered rather barbaric but maybe there's some maybe there's something to this after all researchers at Boston University have found that problem gamblers shopaholics and compulsive eaters all could have their brains retuned by a simple zap to the brain it says the tec- technique is non-invasive and involves sending small jolts of electricity to an area of the gray matter in the brain that is connected to addictive behaviors. It is said to retune brain waves. And in an experiment, it reduced obsessive compulsive behaviors for up to three months. Could prove to be a good alternative to treatment using drugs which can cause unwanted side effects or result it result in disappointing outcomes. But I'm thinking, you know, you shock a person with electricity, that could cause unwanted side effects and result in disappointing outcomes. You know what I mean? There's that that <laughs> possibility too. And finally, this morning, among the first things you need to know to get your day started, this is pretty significant. Uh, Before you pour your first cup of coffee, a new study finds that the caffeinated beverage that leaves the biggest carbon footprint is the latte. University of College London looked at four standard Starbucks orders and compared their carbon footprints. Lattes, which are made with the most milk, had the biggest carbon footprint followed by cappuccinos, flat whites, and then dairy-free espressos. Researchers note that using non-dairy alternatives would make your drink much more eco-friendly as would buying your caffeinated beverages from coffee houses that buy sustainably sourced coffee beans. So, there you go. If you were concerned about the <laughs> your carbon footprint, but I know most people are probably say, just give me my caffeine. I don't really care. There you go. And <laughs> some of the first things You need to know
2: and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices.
0: Now, our cover story this morning. Earlier this month, the Findlay City Schools announced that beginning on Monday, the district would return to a four-day in-class schedule for all K-12 students. And joining us is Superintendent Troy Roth uh Ms. raw thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning why the decision now i mean as we know the uh, county remains uh, in the red on the COVID alert map and and so on it doesn't seem uh, like much has changed on that front so why the decision uh, to return the kids to class right now
2: well good morning chris thanks for having me i appreciate the opportunity to talk with you uh several several factors went into that decision uh one being the study conducted by the Ohio COVID-19 evaluation team. Uh, and in that study, which the governor announced in December, uh, that no discernible difference in the risk of, of contracting the coronavirus, uh, mm-hmm. for those in close contact with COVID positive person in the classroom and those who were further away. Uh, so the close contact and, and the quarantine, uh, guidelines have changed, uh, where students who are now deemed a close contact can still attend school, can still ride school transportation. Uh, so, so that, uh, keeps more kids in school and keeps them safe. Uh, and then the another reason was, uh, when we went to the full remote was our lack of substitute teachers. And, and since we went to the full remote, uh, House Bill 409 has loosened the requirements on what it takes to get a substitute license. Uh, we are actually hosting a hiring event on wednesday evening uh that we anticipate uh hopefully adding up to 12 to 15 uh new substitutes to our pool uh and then also uh the availability of vaccine coming soon and and also chris we have been concerned with uh you know the academic progress of of all our students and also the social and emotional well-being uh we believe uh, our students perform best and and uh it it's safe for them to be in school and, and for and being in school is is uh the best yeah. for, for our students academically, socially, and emotionally. You
0: mentioned the uh, social and emotional needs uh, of uh, young people uh, to to have that uh, in-person classroom time. And it's interesting, my wife and I were just having this conversation uh, yesterday evening uh, talking about, uh, I don't know that I would want to be a teenager right now growing up in this time when you, you really – Uh, It's a time where you want to spread your wings and and sort of uh, find yourself It's very difficult to do under these uh, uh, current conditions. And this may be one part of uh, this whole uh, school experience and and so on, how it uh, uh, leads to the emotional uh, and social development of not just teenagers, but uh, kids of all ages uh, that may have gone overlooked somewhat in this whole discussion to this point.
2: Absolutely, Chris, and and we've had kids who have been quarantined upwards of four or five times, and, and yeah. it's very difficult to connect with those kids. You know, they're missing out on so many opportunities. Uh- so we thought if we if we could do it safely uh, we want it's been our goal to get kids back in school as much as possible and with some of those things I imagine we believe we can do it at this time
0: um now at the same time that being said uh, having the kids back in school is important obviously academically as well but it is equally important to have some sort of um, regular schedule and I know these constant changes uh, going uh, to class and then switching back up to a remote learning schedule and the hybrid models and all of these uh constant changes uh that's not good either so are you con- you know to what extent was it uh, considered that once we make these changes that we uh can that, that will be relatively permanent moving forward that we won't have to to move back to a re- remote schedule and have this constantly changing uh form of education
2: yeah yeah that's one of our concerns Chris the the uncertainty of a, of the fall and I can't sit here and say I'm 100% certain we can stay in this model for the rest of the year mm-hmm. uh but you know with the vaccine coming uh with the new study and the close contact changes and our ability to to hopefully add some substitutes to to our uh, already uh short pool that we can we can cover uh all our areas and we can continue to go at 4 days and at some time get to 5 days per week but You're right, I cannot with 100% certainty say, you know, there may be some things that change here over the next months or or a few weeks that would force us to change our model. I would say we've done the hybrid model, we've done the remote model, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure there's another model that uh, can (laughs) be done, but... uh, Our teachers and our staff continue to adjust as well as our students and staff, but uh, you're correct, it is very difficult to, to keep changing, but uh, you know way back in August when when all this uh, school planning was going down, the first thing we said is we need to remain fluid and flexible and be ready to change on a moment's notice
0: we mentioned the uh, va- available availability of the vaccine and obviously it's been a, a slow rollout to this point but we are getting some of that and educators school officials uh, have been uh, placed in uh, on the priority list for the vaccine is the district requiring uh, teachers uh, to to get uh, the, the vaccine or offering guidance for staff in that respect
2: yeah, it's it's not a requirement. We haven't made it a requirement. And our early survey results indicate over 70% of our staff are interested. Uh, we have communicated uh fact sheets and uh, information uh, as far as the vaccines go uh, to our staff. And we continue to work with Hancock Public Health and meet with them on a weekly basis. And we'll continue to do that uh, to distribute as much information to our staff as possible. Now,
0: with respect to the nuts and bolts of uh, going back to this uh, four-day uh, in-person uh, class schedule, uh, talk a little bit about the logistics and how this uh, will work. Are there uh, new changes or alterations uh, or uh, you know, uh, COVID protocols uh, to make people aware of? What How will this uh, work logistically so that uh, parents
2: know? Well, the number one thing is the mask wearing, uh, that we continue to wear masks and, mm-hmm. and uh, do it properly, covering the nose and the mouth. Uh, our principals are looking at uh, different possibilities in their building where they can create more social distancing. Uh, but, you know, those are the keys. You know, the good hand hygiene, the, uh, the wearing a mask and wearing it properly, those are things that will keep us in school longer, um, you know, even on the bus. Uh, in, in that situation, we, we still want our students wearing a mask. But logistically, our principals will be communicating with parents. Uh, this Friday will be a day off for our, for our teachers to, to prepare uh, for the return of school uh, students on Monday uh, to four days a week. But uh, any communications will be, will be through the principals as far as logistics, but we anticipate a smooth start to the students coming back on Monday.
0: So as far as uh, bus transportation or staggered schedule, there won't be any uh, need for any staggered schedules or anything uh, like that in terms of uh, the classroom time or the bus schedules or anything like that that will be different.
2: No, nope, should be no changes okay. to those things. If there are uh, principals, will communicate that with parents. But I do not anticipate any changes uh, at this point.
0: And as you mentioned, uh, this uh, new uh, schedule will begin on Monday for uh, K through 12 uh, students. Correct, and That's correct. And then you also mentioned uh, the uh, hiring event or the uh, information uh, event. Uh, for substitute teachers on Wednesday. Uh, give details on that for individuals who may be interested.
2: Okay, yeah, thanks, Chris. All the information is available on our website, uh, fcs.org. Uh, the new requirements for uh, to obtain a substitute license uh, requires an individual to have a high school diploma. Uh, it also requires them to pass a BCI-FBI check. It will also require them to have a sit-down interview with uh, administration of Finley City Schools, and then they also need to apply for the emergency license through ODE, the Ohio Department of Education. Uh, This license is only good uh, for the remainder of this school year, Uh, so we're hoping to uh, Hired 12 to 15 uh, subs, and uh, that will help us with our, our lack of sub situation that forced us to go remote for grade 6 through 12.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, uh, this can uh, be the normal moving forward, at least uh, through the end of the year. Again, no guarantees, uh, but uh, obviously. Uh, as we've been saying all along, better to have the, uh, the kids in class, if it is at all possible, and Finley City Schools uh, moving to that four-day in-class schedule uh, beginning next week. Superintendent Troy Roth, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Chris.
0: It is well-documented that we have a health care gap in this country that runs largely along income and racial divides. Those in poorer... Prominently, minority communities have less access to both routine and acute care and worse outcomes across a broad range of medical conditions. A study out this month from the RAND Corporation, with support from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, examines how this applies to the coronavirus pandemic. Brian Quinn is Associate Vice President of Research, Evaluation, and Learning for the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And, Brian, the, the basis of this study is an ongoing poll of people with lower and middle incomes on health equity and race and interestingly you find that many of those in the survey even those who may have been hit hardest by the pandemic and the underlying inequities do not view race as a barrier to good health
3: that's right chris uh, we were surprised that uh, despite the disproportionate effect of the pandemic on black and hispanic americans and despite uh, everything that our country has been through over the last year whether it was George Floyd or the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, the majority of Americans don't see systemic racism as a barrier to good health.
0: Is it possible that this is the exception to the rule, that in fact income and race are not a barrier in this instance? I mean, certainly it has been true that uh, from testing to the vaccine rollout, our response to this pandemic has been disjointed across the board.
3: I think the thing about systemic racism is that it's not always obvious or, or front and center. In many ways, it, it's kind of embedded uh, or baked into American society and our economy and our institutions. And it, it means that uh, some Americans, generally white Americans, are more likely to be able to get loans and mortgages, to have access to health care, better education, and, and uh, nicer, safer neighborhoods. And all of those things are directly tied to health. So it is a story about uh, access to health insurance. It is a story about income uh, and wealth, but it's also a story about uh, the systemic racism that's playing our country.
0: It's interesting when you dig down in the data. You do see a couple of indications. As said, uh, a lot of those, even those who have been most impacted by this, don't recognize it. But when you dig down into the data, you do see some indicated uh, some indicators that they. That they do maybe understand it more than they realize. For example, uh, trust in government. Uh, black respondents uh, report a lower trust in government than uh, than Hispanic uh, respondents and even uh, white respondents. So you know, there is that underlying distrust, which uh, again, in the case of the pandemic, is certainly not helping things.
3: That's right, and, and Americans' uh, individual experiences with the pandemic. Uh, and with access to health insurance uh, with the government uh, at the, the national and state levels are going to vary. And we did see some uh, divergence between black and Hispanic Americans on the one hand and, and whites on the other. Uh, and, and I think that reflects the uh, different uh, experiences and uh, that that Americans are having as it uh, relates to the pandemic.
0: And one other uh, interesting uh, tidbit of information that I, I thought was uh, particularly noteworthy. You know, we talk about everyone being ready to return to normal, uh, and and. The the uh, push to uh, get businesses to reopen, restaurants to reopen, uh, for things to uh, you know sporting events to return, all of these types of things, and while everybody is ready for a return to some semblance of normal, the the number uh, the 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 cautiousness among minority communities uh, is much greater than uh, white communities.
3: That's right. We do see um, more pandemic fatigue being reported in this survey than we saw over the summer when we surveyed uh, this group previously. Uh, And we see that uh, black and Hispanic respondents were more cautious about risking their health to return to normal. Uh, I think one exciting thing about the the findings, though, is that, more than 70% of respondents see the pandemic as a, mo- a moment for positive change. So I think there is a, an element of, of hope in, in the survey findings. And uh, I think that gives yeah. us a, a little bit of a silver lining as we, we think about the
0: yeah, I uh, thought, challenges. Uh, I thought that was interesting, too. Again, circling back to that uh, uh, overarching uh, theme we talked about, how you know, many in the survey didn't recognize or or didn't believe that uh, race played a role in uh, a, as a barrier uh, with respect to the pandemic. Still, they do see this as an opportunity for positive change because those disparities, as we said, are well documented, and one of those. Uh, one of those things, probably not surprisingly, that they see is the opportunity to uh, deepen the conversation about uh, universal health care.
3: That's right. That that was a finding that came through loud and clear uh, that when asked for, for what solutions policymakers might consider, uh, universal health care uh, was at the top of the list. And I think uh, you saw two thirds of respondents uh, report that they thought health care was a fundamental right. So uh, I think uh, Americans are uh, uh, intuitive about what some of the potential solutions
0: might be. But that sentiment uh, was not shared as broadly uh, in in white communities uh, as it uh, is among minorities uh, and and those of color and, and lower income uh, populations. So. It, has that I mean again while we talk about this being an opportunity to uh, broaden and deepen those conversations, it appears you still have some convincing to do uh, among the population in general
3: I think that's right We also saw uh, racial and ethnic uh, divergence on on the questions that you point out. I think it underscores the importance of a, a survey like this to put uh, findings out on the table for policymakers and community leaders to Uh, to see, to better understand the dynamics of what's going on in their communities uh, and how we might think about uh, potential solutions.
0: As you alluded to, this is the second of uh, a series of findings to be published in this ongoing survey. Um, The first one was done some time ago. The next set of results due out in the spring, is that correct?
3: That's correct. We'll we'll reach out to the group uh, again in the spring, and then uh, and then in the summer as well.
0: And how has uh, how have the results of the survey changed? Uh, you mentioned uh, again. You alluded to it in, in a couple of uh, instances earlier. Uh, the ways in which the responses or the attitudes or the mindsets have changed uh, between the first. Uh, time you ask these questions and the most recent time?
3: You know, I think that one of the things that we see generally in our work is that uh, views and values around health uh, are fairly stable, and so there's not a lot of uh, change from uh, month to month or uh, survey to survey, but we are in an unprecedented time. Uh, we did not see a huge change between uh, uh, the summer and the fall on some of these key measures. But I do think we anticipate um, more significant changes coming this spring as the vaccine rollout ramps up um, and as people's experience with uh, the pandemic as it relates to the vaccine uh, really shifting in the, in the
0: that is certainly a good point. It will be very interesting to follow as this uh, survey, this ongoing survey, continues to collect data. Again, Brian Quinn is Associate Vice President of Research, Evaluation and Learning for the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. They, along with the RAND Corporation, uh, with this ongoing study of the response to the pandemic and how it is influencing perceptions of the healthcare gap uh, in this country. And I'm assuming uh, folks can learn more about this report on the on your website, correct?
3: Yes, we have a full report with lots of in-depth findings, and I would encourage uh, uh, listeners to uh, follow up and and uh, take a look at
0: themselves. And we will link up to that on our webpage as well if you want to dig down deep into the numbers. Uh, Brian, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's report on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is a story that just leaves you shaking your head. And I know they all do in the broken news, but especially in this case. This is a story out of uh, Birmingham in the United Kingdom, Lisa Boothroyd was left with a mouthful of chemical burns after she mistook a box of fireworks for candy. (laughs) How does someone do this, you ask? How do you mistake a box of fireworks for candy? Uh, In describing the incident, she said, I remember the moment I crunched down on a handful of the sweets or what I thought was sweets and instantly felt explosions in my mouth. She said, I felt a burning pain straight away. <laughs> I could just hear her saying that in their British accent. I felt a burning pain straight away. I didn't, didn't do a British accent, but uh, the 48-year-old shared that she found the box of Fun Snaps at a local cost-cutter's store in the candy aisle. It was in the same vicinity as like, the lollipops and other treats, which led her to believe that she had picked up a box of snapping candy. Seeing what a hazard this could be to others, a spokesperson for the store tells news reporters that the fireworks would be removed from the candy section. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. But at the same time, I can see I can see where there might be some confusion initially. But at the same time, you would think that when you open the box, you would see that These No, these are not candy, but probably should not be in the candy section nonetheless. (laughs) Good idea all the way around. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, a helpful tip if you are considering a life of crime, it is a good idea to be able to drive, to actually drive the getaway vehicle that you choose. A 19-year-old woman from Pennsylvania accused of stealing cigarettes and Mentos from a Local gas station convenience store in Hellertown before trying to flee in an ambulance. Police say they stopped the uh, young lady, uh, Antoinette uh, Ferrillin, for, for after she got out of the ambulance that she could not drive. <laughs> Hopped in an ambulance to steal the ambulance as a getaway vehicle, realized she could not drive it. And a, a store uh, employee identified her as the thief. She was detained. She faces several charges, including felony counts of robbery and attempted grand theft auto. Attempted auto theft. <laughs> Trying to steal an ambulance. I can't drive this. Not very good planning. Authorities in Chicago. This is just a crazy story. Authorities in Chicago have announced that they have arrested a California man that they say has been living at O'Hare International Airport for three months because he was afraid to fly due to COVID-19 transmission fears. He didn't want to fly back to uh, California, so he stayed. He was living at the airport. There's a report in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Aditya Singh is accused of living in the airport's security zone since he arrived back in October. The judge in the case... Reportedly appeared bewildered and asked how someone could live in an airport for such a long time undetected. Uh, The uh, judge (laughs) said, let me get this straight. This is actually what the judge said. said. Let me get this straight. You're saying that this person managed to live inside the secure area of the airport for three months completely undetected by... It does seem rather disturbing. But then again, on the other hand, if you think about it, when you land, I mean, he was coming in from California. When you land, you are on the secure side of the airport when you deplane. And if you never leave, then how would how would they know? You know, because there are people in the airport 24 hours a day, not very many uh, overnight. But uh, it, it I would think would be. Fairly easy to kind of blend in. Uh, In any event, prosecutors say that Mr. Singh uh, was found out by employees for United Airlines when he allegedly presented an identification card. They stopped and asked, who are you? What are you doing here? He presented an identification card that had previously been lost by one of the airport uh, employees. And they knew that it was an ID that had been lost. And here he was trying to pass that off. He has been charged with felony criminal trespass. That's a crazy story, isn't it, though? I mean, living in the airport for three months on the in the secure side of the airport, no less. And finally, in today's broken news, good news here with Valentine's Day approaching the popular Name a Roach Valentine's Day promotion is returning to the Bronx Zoo. For the 10th year in a row, the zoo is offering you the chance to name a cockroach after your special someone. (laughs) Or maybe your ex-special someone. For a $15 donation, you can symbolically name a giant Madagascar hissing cockroach. And the more you donate... Uh, if you don't eat more, you have the option of purchasing a plush roach toy, a scented roach candle, or a live virtual encounter with a roach. Although, if you're naming it after your ex, you likely have already had a live encounter with a roach, and maybe you don't want that, but... <laughs> the Name a Roach Valentine's Day Promotion. Uh, good to know that the pandemic hasn't ruined everything. There you go. That is today's Broken News Report. It is a service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
2: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19.
0: Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. And now our daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Interesting new survey finds that people in Missouri are the most stressed of any state in 2020 and while that is interesting kind of anecdotally the most stressed state being Missouri what's really fascinating in this survey is that the majority of Americans by far say that the past year was the most stressful ever so breaking it down by state uh, people in Missouri it says here spend an average of three hours and 18 minutes per day worrying due to stress so they're number one state by state Mississippi is second. Residents there spend three hours, 12 minutes per day worrying, they say. And West Virginia came in third, three hours and six minutes. Tied for fourth, Georgia, Louisiana and Vermont. Now, I don't have the full state by state breakdown, so I don't know where Ohio ranks in that. But really what I found most interesting about this poll was not the state by state. That's interesting, but. Overall, this survey from one poll found that seventy two percent of Americans believe twenty twenty was the most stressful year they have ever that they have lived through. Most stressful year ever. And the top stressor finances. Uh, COVID nineteen was close behind in number two, and I would imagine it could be argued, certainly, that finances. Uh, Financial situations, in many cases, uh, issues were brought on by COVID-19, so you could almost lump those two in together. But then politics and current news were the next top stressors that people cited. Of those surveyed, 57% said that they are more stressed than they have ever been, and 56% are more anxious than ever. But on the upside, nearly half, Forty eight percent say that they have learned over the course of the past year, they have learned new ways to manage stress and anxiety over the past year. So, yes, the most stressful ever, far and away, the vast majority of Americans say 2020 was. However, the silver lining, we have learned new ways to deal with stress and presumably that will make us better moving forward after all of this is over at the other end of the spectrum just in case you're interested or just in case you're curious the least state uh, stressed state iowa uh, is at the very bottom the least stressed state in the nation so i don't know what they're doing in iowa but whatever it is they got it figured out apparently We're talking New Year's resolutions once again this morning, and whether uh, that means launching a new beauty and wellness routine or looking for ways to take your current one to the next level, beauty and wellness expert Grace Gold has what you need to have you looking and feeling your best this year. And Grace, first of all, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. What is your top tip for keeping those New Year's resolutions? Because... You know, we, we do this every year. We make these uh, grand pronunciations, and then a couple of weeks in, we start to uh, leave them by the wayside. So what is the top tip for actually sticking to those goals?
4: Sure. Well, Happy New Year, Chris. You know, I think if you want any hope to keep those resolutions, you've got to make them fun. And if you're like most people, getting active is really at the top of that resolution list. So a way that I have made it fun is there's the Fitness Boxing 2 Rhythm and Exercise game for the Nintendo Switch system where fitness really meets fun these are personalized workouts set to a full roster of upbeat chart-topping tunes you get a high-energy workout that'll have you jabbing, uppercutting, dodging and more from the comfort of your home so this is a great way to get in that guided workout and track activity on your own Or you can even grab a friend and work out in two-player mode. So it's just a fun way to get moving this time of year.
0: That's a good point. They always say that uh, you're more likely to stick to a resolution, particularly a fitness uh, resolution, if you have a buddy. So uh, get a buddy and get moving. Okay, so what comes next after that?
4: Sure, well, when it comes to looking and feeling great, taking proper care of your hair should be high on the list. This time of year, I've got a couple of suggestions. The first is OGX Extra Strength Frizz Free and Keratin Smoothing Collection. This brings salon-worthy strength, smoothing, and style with five benefits in just one bottle. The line includes shampoo, conditioner, Miracle Gloss Smoothing Spray for a rich, luscious blend that repairs hair, reduces styling time. It's infused with incredible ingredients like keratin, argan oil, and ceramides. To really reinforce those strands prevent breakage reduce frizz smooth hair and add shine i have been loving that another thing to keep in mind is you know the dry scalp because a healthy scalp is also crucial for strong and beautiful strands so to get to the root of it all neutrogena healthy scalp hydro boost shampoo and conditioner with hyaluronic acid is something that I've been using as well. Now, this helps boost scalp hydration levels and moisturize hair. They contain clinically proven pH-balanced formulas to cleanse and moisturize your scalp without stripping the strands, which is so important this time of year. Now, all of Neutrogena Healthy Scalp products, they're not only great for that dry scalp and dry hair, but they are suitable for all hair types, including color-treated hair as well.
0: Anything else on that list to help us look and feel our best uh, in the new year?
4: Sure. Well, no one wants muscle aches and pains to get in the way of their fitness journey. So after those tough workouts right now, I'm using Arnic Care. What it is is a non-greasy, unscented, plant-powered gel that relieves muscle pain and stiffness due to minor injuries, overexertion, and falls. It also helps reduce discoloration from bruises. It's a plant-powered topical homeopathic medicine made from Arnica, Montana, which is a type of mountain daisy that's been used for centuries to relieve pain. I like the Arnica gel because it quickly absorbs into skin, so it's not greasy or sticky. It has no added fragrance dyes or parabens either.
0: So we've got fitness, we've got hair care, we've got skin care. Uh, Do we pretty much have it covered here?
4: You sure do. I think that's got you covered. There we go.
0: There we go. Uh, Beauty and wellness expert Grace Gold with what you need to have you looking and feeling your best in 2021. Grace, where do we get more information on all of this?
4: You can visit any of the brand's Facebook pages or home pages for more information.
0: All right. Very good. Grace, thanks very much for taking the time. Once again, Happy New Year.
4: Thank you. Happy
0: New Year. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, as always, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Findlay Mayor Christina Murn will join us to share more information about her latest initiative, a newsletter to keep citizens informed about the happenings in local government. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.